Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. As a Sirius XM and CNN host, I'm known for speaking, but frankly, I read for a living. I need to know what to say, and so I consume over two dozen newspapers and websites daily. I read opposing views and studies and court cases and orders and op-eds just so I can discuss current events on radio and television. But my favorite reading? Books. Old school. And my favorite interviews? are with book authors. Book Club with Michael Smirconish is now in session. Peter Fever is a Duke University professor and author of a brand new book. It's called Thanks for Your Service, The Causes and Consequences of Public Confidence in the U.S. Military. It's interesting to me for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that just a week ago, I myself was a podcast guest of Mohammed Yunus, he's the editor-in-chief of Gallup. And he wanted me to be his guest to talk about new Gallup data, talking about the diminished trust that Americans have in institutions. In fact, I'm, I'm looking at their survey and the lead, which said Americans are less confident in major U.S. institutions than they were a year ago, with significant declines for 11 of the 16 institutions tested, and no improvements for any. The largest declines in confidence are 11 percentage points for the Supreme Court and 15 points for the presidency. And 
in reading in, in anticipation of, of being a guest, I took note of the fact that among the institutions about which they had polled at the top of the list, meaning you get a high percentage of Americans having confidence in these institutions, number one, small business. Thought that was interesting. Number two, the military. In 2021, 69% of Americans, according to Gallup, said that they had a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in the military. Interestingly, that number diminished by 2022. Which brings me back to Dr. Fever, who is a professor of political science and public policy at Duke University and author of this new book, because this is his focus. It's the most comprehensive study of public confidence in the U.S. military, and he doesn't come to the same conclusion that I came to simply looking at the Gallup survey. This is Dr. Peter Fever. Dr. Fever, thanks for coming to the program. Thanks for having me. So your point is there's a lot more than meets the eye. You can't just say, hey, you know, two-thirds plus of Americans have a lot of confidence in the military. It's more complicated. Well, it's a fact, though. And as you pointed out, the public has high confidence in the military. And that's one of the few things the public knows about the military, meaning one of the few things they know is that uh, the rest of the public seems to have high confidence in the military. That's one important truth. But the other thing, which is also reflected in the Gallup poll that you just mentioned, is that confidence has declined a little bit. The confidence in all institutions have declined. So as the tide is receding, everybody, all the boats are going down. The military is still at the top, but it is it is suffering a decline in confidence. There's lots of reasons for it. I think one of them that's worth noting is the way the military have become combatants in the culture war. They don't want to be, uh, but, the, but the left and the right have dragged them into the culture wars, and now the military themselves are being targeted in these divisive fights. And I think over time that's going to have a negative effect on public confidence in the military. I, I know that Governor partisan. I know that Governor DeSantis recently talked about wanting to I'm I'm paraphrasing, but wanting to drive the woke out of the military. I guess that would be a, a good example of what you're referring to. Precisely. And and when they name military leaders by name and say, you know, so and so because they were advocating for this policy, they're woke and and are a legitimate uh, target of political attack that um, that echoes you can hear it in other partisans pick it up and then start to use it but then it also uh, has secondary effects it reduces public confidence in the military and then their willingness to recommend that others go serve in the military so it can contribute over time to uh, the recruiting challenge we feel it seems like we're we feel everything is political and everything needs to be either on the red or the blue side of the aisle is perception of the military changing does that play a role in any of your analysis that some now regard it as a republican institution more than a democratic institution yes this is a this is a challenge and indeed republicans and democrats look at military affairs very differently one of the most consistent findings is that that one's partisan identity helps predict one's attitudes uh, to the military on many, many different dimensions. Over time, over the last two, three decades, the military has uh, come closer to the Republican Party, and the Republican Party and Republican confidence 
in the military has been uh, sky high. And so the gap between Republican attitudes and Democratic attitudes towards the military quite large. But the, here's the interesting thing. Uh, since um, September of 2020, that's, that's the moment when President Trump, he was running for re-election, decided to target his own senior military leadership and criticize them, single them out for criticism, and identify himself with the rank and file, sort of drawing a wedge, driving a wedge, I should say, between officers and the enlisted. That, since that moment, Republican attitudes towards the military have gradually shifted, and there has been a marked decline over the last two years in Republican confidence in the military specifically. And I think it's partly of this larger culture war which covers everything but especially diversity issues. So I'm hearing you say that, yes, by and large, there's still great support for the military among Americans. However, or maybe confidence is the better word to use. However, it's shallow that when you really pursue it, as you've done in the new book, there are issues and they are increasing. I call it it's high but hollow. Some of the pillars that uh, that. Uh, hollow, yeah. Some of the pillars that ho- hold up public confidence are eroding. Uh, one is uh, eroding just as a demographic fact, right? If you have a personal connection to the military, you're likely to have higher confidence than if you don't. But the number of people who have a personal connection because they served or because their parents served uh, are literally dying off as we lose the World War II generation and then increasingly losing the draft era generation. And so we're left with a much smaller group of Americans who have any personal connection. And so that's just one of the props that's, uh, that's eroding. The other idea is that the, the public, public confidence in the military is held up by something called uh, social desirability bias. People say they have confidence because they think that's the correct thing to say. And when you tap into what their true attitudes are, they may not, in fact, have the same confidence. Well, the reason that matters is once you start to get uh, political elites like, say, Tucker Carlson or uh, President Trump criticizing the military, that creates sort of permission space to also criticize. And so the, that um, hollow support could collapse pretty quickly. In other words, there's still a certain panache to saying that, if, you know, we support our troops and put up a flag and. Uh, demonstrate our support for the military in different ways, but it it might not be as solid as you think because secretly those folks, some of them harbor some distrust. By the way, as you are saying this and as I'm thinking it through, I'm thinking of police. I, I don't think that the same thing is true. Like I think people today, let me try and be more clear. I think that people today are more willing to voice displeasure with law enforcement than they would with the military. Well, I think the law enforcement is a good indication of where things could go with the military if these trend lines continue, right? The the police now are viewed through a a strong partisan lens. And if we adopt the same kind of partisan perspective on the military, uh, and the military is viewed as captured by one side of a culture war or the other, uh, then we we could lose... uh, uh, what we need, which is a military that the public trusts to do the mission that is essential, namely protecting the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And we have those enemies, right? We're in a dangerous time period 
we can't afford to have a military that is incapable of doing its job or that the public believes is incapable of doing its job. Peter Fever is a professor of political science and public policy at Duke University. His new book is called Thanks for Your Service, The Causes and Consequences of Public Confidence in the U.S. Military. Something you have not said so far is that the impression or the confidence that we have in the military today is bearing the brunt of 20 years of war. Of what significance Iraq and Afghanistan? Well, that actually has propped up public confidence in the military. After 9-11, there was a a spike in public confidence in the military. It's kind of a rally around the flag effect. As uh, the public saw that there was a real threat, namely the terrorist threat, and that the military had a key role in protecting the country against it. So that that rallied the Americans to the military. Now that the that terrorist threat appears to have receded, we're no longer in the global war on terror, whatever that meant, we're moving into a new era. So that prop undergirding public confidence is likely to erode as well. It's not clear that that the threat from China will have the same galvanizing view that rallies the public to the military the way that the terrorist threat did. So if support or confidence in the military is hollow, might that be an explanation as to why each of the services is having recruitment woes? And I'm mindful of this because in that recent Supreme Court decision that said no longer can universities use race-based admission, Chief Justice Roberts was careful to carve out an exception for the military academies, which took a lot of us by surprise. Do you see all these things as being related? They are related, but I, I wouldn't overdo the connection. I think the, the, by far and away, the principal driver of the recruitment problem is the strong civilian labor market. Uh, so that ha- the fact that it's easy to get jobs and that the benefits that used to be unique to the military are now being offered by civilian employers, uh, that is what's made the recruitment challenge difficult. Secondarily, the COVID uh, lockdowns, which made it hard for recruiters to get into the schools to build the relationships. So that's the primary driver of the recruiting challenge. And these other things we've been talking about are, I would say, secondary. But you raise a very good point about the SCOTUS decision. It didn't get as much attention as it deserves, but uh, the Supreme Court, the majority, struck down the logic of uh, using race in uh, of affirmative action in admit, university admissions. But then it said, however, there's one exception. Military academies uh, are still allowed to do so. Well, that's, that's a giant logic loophole uh, that's worth exploring. Why is it okay to do it in the military, but not okay to do it in uh, civilian uh, universities. What's your answer to that? Goes to the heart. Well, I, th- I think it goes to the heart of um, the role of the military in civilian society. For the first thing, Supreme Court, very reluctant to impose things on the military when the military says we need this. And significant, ser- serious military officers said we need to be able to use affirmative action at the um, academies in order to build a senior military leadership that looks like America and, <laughs> crucially, looks like the troops that they're leading. In the Vietnam War, they had a challenge where they had 
you know, a homogenous officer corps, mostly white, leading uh, a diverse enlisted corps that had a strong number of African-Americans. And that created racial, racial friction within the rank and file that, that undermined military effectiveness. It's important, the military leaders argued, that we have leaders, military leaders, who look like the soldiers they're leading. Dr. Fever, one of their observations. So you're here arguing that support or confidence in the military, although the numbers look quite high, is actually quite hollow. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Because if we're too rah-rah and confident and believing and supportive of our military, maybe we're too apt to use them. Well, there there's two possible problems with overly high confidence. One is that you might use the military when civilian tools would be better, but you just think the military is the only thing that works. And there is a temptation uh, to do that. I, I don't know if you recall, but during the the distribution of the vaccine, people said, why don't we have the military distribute the vaccine? Because the military, uh, you know, is is a capable organization. That's not a military mission. <laughs> There's plenty of civilian institutions that could do vaccine dispersal. And and that just shows you the, the, the reflex that's in American society to reach for the military tool when other tools might be available. And that might be partly due to uh, high confidence in the military. I think it's more due to low confidence in the other civilian institutions. I don't want to bring down confidence in the military. I want to raise up confidence in the other civilian institutions. So you won't want to rely on the military. The other downside, though, is a phenomenon I call pedestalization. That is, if you put the military on a pedestal, what does that do to them? They're standing on the pedestal looking down on the rest of civilian society. Over time, that can create distance and alienation. And I think that's part of the reason why the military are sometimes uncomfortable in airports. When you go up to them, you see them in uniform, and you say, thanks for your service. Uh, and sometimes they'll get an awkward response. They'll say, like, well, it's just my job or, or, or what yeah. have you. And that's them pushing back against that uh, pedestalization uh, phenomenon. Being on okay, a pedestal so, is a dangerous place to be. <laughs> so, so having written a book that is titled, Thanks for Your Service, now I'm curious, when you see someone in uniform, are you inclined to say thank you for your service or not? I am, because I think it's a genuine, I think we should thank them for the service. They are doing something that not enough Americans are willing to do. So we do have a recruiting challenge. We need more Americans willing to uh, step up. But here's my what I want the military officer to say back. I want them to say back to the person in the airport, well, what do you do? And let's say she says, oh, I teach uh, high school math. Oh, thank you for your service. That's our duty. That contributes to the public good. There's many, many ways that you can contribute to the public good. Military service is one of them, but it's not the only one. And I think if, if we take the military off a pedestal, but then use the confidence that people have in the military to build confidence in other institutions, that's, to me, the sweet spot. And that's Final. what I'm uh, calling for in the book. Final thought. I have been bested in my one degree of separation brag for Dr. Peter Fever from Duke, because I said to my gang here in studio before we began this conversation that you and I were contemporaries at Lehigh as undergrads. 
Here's the way in which I've been bested. One of your current students is right now my intern, and Alex Bear is in your American Grand Strategy Club, and she said you're terrific. Well, and she is terrific. She's wonderful, and I hope I hope she's doing good work for you. I know she is. She's well-trained, and uh, thanks for your service in hiring the best. I, I want to be taken on the trip to Normandy. Now that I've heard a little bit more about you, that's what I want in for. Yes, well, let's talk about that offline. It's a great opportunity to learn about how the military actually operates downrange, and I think you'll come away with a deeper respect for what the past military has done and what we're asking our current military to do. Peter Fever, thanks for your service. That's the book. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 
at factormeals.com slash Smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. TC, thank you for your service. I mean, I love that. I love that he said that and then said, and they should respond, although I'm not sure if I agree with that. Like, do they need to respond? Do they need to, like, why, the, why is anyone thanking me? I, I'm, right? They're pedestal, doing something far more say, than Say I'm that doing. word that he just said. Pedestalstration? 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 Something like that. Um, I'm kind of curious. I have a number of thoughts about what we've just heard from our guest. I'm really into this. I mean, as I told you, purely coincidentally, I'm a guest on a Gallup podcast a week ago. Yep. Let's talk about faith in institutions. Like, hey, look at the look at the military. Second only to uh, the way we revere small business, which is really interesting to me. Like at the top of 16 institutions, Supreme Court, presidency, Congress, et cetera, et cetera. Small, small business. business is number one. Why don't we thank small business people for their service if that's the way that we feel? But what I wanted to say is. For those who do wear the uniform, how do you feel when someone says, thank you for your service? I It never occurred to me that like they might feel a little uncomfortable with I, that. It never occurred to me either. Shall we ask I them? Think we need, I think we need to know. I mean, I think you like, I'm, I'm not singling him out to, to embarrass him, but like Dan. Like, I think Dan, Dan for a service, he sleeps, sleeps at the firehouse on Wednesday nights. Right. Dan, thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Uh, thank you. I am happy to do it. Happy to be here. Proud to serve. Yeah, I mean, See, that's honestly, a nice way of like, saying here's it. a guy he's, you know, yeah. recently married. Right. He's, he's, he's taking time he's, away, taking time yeah. away, exhausted, sleeping there yeah. and, and responding to 911 situations yeah. and so forth. Um, yeah, but we, that's an, that is a legit thank you for your service. I shouldn't yes. be thanking you for your service and you shouldn't be thanking me for my service. Sorry, we're not serving. People, we're just working. People in mm-hmm. this. Uh, well, I, I won't limit it to this country because I'm and I'm part of this have a warped sense of celebrity. I am a C-list celebrity, and I've experienced some of this, it, it, just undeserving. And yet, I, I'm wrapped. You know, I, I go here, Peter Frampton a week ago, Bill Burr the week before. R-A-P-T, wrapped? Uh, wrapped in the sense of, yes. you know, I'm, I'm like, Take I'm it. in there. Yes. Yes. So yes. am I. You know I am. Uh, Lee, you are first, because you're in Grove Heights, Minnesota. Greetings. Actually, it's Invergrove? Invergrove. Invergrove. Invergrove Heights, nice south of St. Paul, Minnesota. So, talk to me about the the military service, the respect issue that we've been discussing. Yes, um, I. Whenever someone tells me thank you for your service, I just uh, it was my honor. I went back in when I was forty eight. So in uh, two thousand four, two thousand five, I sitting in Iraq did three tours. So it was my honor to serve. And that's and that's your response is there's no there's no discomfort. There's no nothing awkward about it when people say that to you. Well, it, it is a little bit, but that I figure that's my best response is you mm-hmm. know, it was it was yep. my honor and is truthful. Nice. OK, thank you for that. Thank you for your willingness to call and sound off on this. Marvin, Tacoma, Washington. Greetings. Good morning. Second time caller, Michael. Appreciate what you're doing. Uh, just a little background. I'm the third of four generations of Army soldiers. And when somebody tells me, thank you for your support, uh, thank you for your service, I say I appreciate your support uh, in return because that's a genuine response uh, to that. And I struggled with that for years. So that's my response to folks when they say that. When you heard my guest say that, yes, overwhelmingly, we express our support for the military, but he worries that it's hollow. 
you were thinking what? I was thinking, uh, you know, the American people rally behind the military when there's a big conflict or there's a big issue going on that may have a, uh, caused problems for America. I mean, that's just history, right? And then when it's over, it kind of diminishes. But regardless, the confidence in our military is always up there. It's always um, there, and I've not seen it wane in a significant um, way in my 49 years on this earth. He maintains in his book, thank you, Marvin, hope that's the way that it stays. He maintains in his book that some of the most pronounced decline is due decline in terms of support for military to a drop of confidence among Republican respondents who historically have had exceptionally high levels of expressed confidence, more than Democrats, I think. But that's now declined somewhat as Republican opinion leaders publicly have attacked the military and did so during the 2020 election and afterwards. Troy is checking in from Buckley, Washington. Hi, Troy. Welcome. Hi, how's it going? First time caller. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, I'm a uh, retired uh, warrant officer, U.S. Army. I served 20 years, three tours between Iraq and Afghanistan. And I was even in Bosnia in 97 as uh, peacekeeping. Um, whenever people tell me, thank you for your service, I-, I never know what to say. I didn't join to get accolades. I mean, I did it for myself. Um, I did it for the, the country. And so I never know what to say. I sometimes fumble through, uh, like, a thank you or something. Um, but it always makes me feel uncomfortable. And sometimes, I guess it depends on the person thanking me. It feels – sometimes it feels disingenuous. And like the previous caller said, sometimes it feels hollow. Um, but it always makes me feel uncomfortable. It feels like hmm. uh, I huh. couldn't even put – I can't even really tell you why. Why? Well, why um, would they? Why would they say it if the they were? Why would they say it if they didn't believe it? Like, why would they be? Why would they be disingenuous? Maybe it's because, as as my guest was saying, some people believe, you know, that, that it's like a good thing to say it, even if they don't believe it. I like. I think it is. It depends on the person, you know. Like, um, if I'm showing my ID card, and they happen to see, like, it's. Sometimes I pull out like my retirement ID card. Um, if they if if they see that or they see it on my account, you know, that it's yeah. like I'm a retiree, and they say it, I feel like it's just kind of like a like a knee jerk reaction, like they feel like they have to. But if it like it comes like it comes up in casual conversation, um, and then they say, "Oh, you're in the military. Well, thank you for your service." Um, then it feels more more genuine. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's kind of like on a case by case basis, you know. I get it. Yeah. Sure. Um, like, like for that same reason, yeah. For like the same reason, I I very rarely will even use my you know cash in on like the Home Depot military discount they offer because I mean that's not why I joined. I didn't join for the for those interesting. Kind of benefits, you know? Wow, I, interesting. Compl- you know, complicated subject. I'm I'm now learning. Troy, thank you for that. Really do appreciate. I'm thanking you for your phone call. Vernon, North Wales, Pennsylvania. What are you thinking? I am. Um, feeling the same as your previous caller. I feel very uncomfortable when somebody approaches me with that. I I am so proud that I serve my country, but I do feel that there's some insincerity when people ask me about it and, and thank me for my service. I just feel that way. I'm not sure why I feel that way. My friends know I feel that way, and I have told, I have said to them before that I don't, I don't necessarily... Uh, 
appreciate it. I shouldn't say appreciate it, but it it rings hollow to me. That's basically how I feel about it. Do you think it's just like a throwaway line that maybe makes the person feel good about themselves for thanking you? A hundred percent, Michael. A hundred percent. I've never stopped and thought about. about this before. Like, I'm thanking Vernon maybe because I want to feel good about myself. Like, hey, I thanked him. Yeah, look at me. Look at me. I just thanked Vernon for his service. But if that's not how you feel, then that's not how you feel. Yeah, but maybe I'm saying it to puff my own chest up. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and, and I just feel like there's some insincerity going on when people say that. And also, I also believe that it's, it's there's basically saying for, to me, for the grace of God, I didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that's how I feel about it, to be to be honest about it. Vernon, thank you for your phone call. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Cindy in Fort Worth, you most wanted to say what? So, Michael, I think one of the reasons that the feelings about the military has degraded is because so many of them participated in the January 6th riot. Hmm. Hmm. Hadn't thought about shocked. that. Well, I know I know uh, at the time I looked at the data in terms of those who were wearing a uniform of some kind or they had both military and police. And I'll say this. They were they were disproportionately represented. You know, there 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 were not a disproportionate number of plumbers or architects, as far as I know, or talk radio hosts. But but Cindy's right. Like the the military was overrepresented on January 6th. Tim, you're in Frisco. You most wanted to say what? Hey, Michael, good talking to you. I've been serving in the military for 34 years, and I can tell you I've been approached multiple times over, over this period of time. And although I'll, I'll, I'll you know, kind of disagree with some of your previous callers, I don't ever feel that it's been insincere. But I think there's di- differing levels of sincerity in which it, is, it has been delivered. On that note, you know, my, my general response has been, you're worth it. You're worth it. You're worth the work that's put in, et cetera. Wow. Um, but when it comes to a level of discomfort, um, there is some because I think myself and, and, and most of the people I serve with have always felt like it's, it's what we do. It's who we are. And we, right. we love the work and we love the camaraderie. And so we don't think much of it. And, and to be thanked sometimes can be awkward. I will say one thing in regards to pedal is that pedestalization, if I'm saying that right. And that is, it does have an effect on some, it does have an effect on some of our junior members. I have seen times where I've been at the airport or something and someone's, you know, asking for a military discount and someone will say, well, sorry, we don't offer a military discount at this location. And there's been kind of a back blow from the junior soldier saying, well, I'd fight for, for you and this, that, and the other thing. And, <laughs> you know, well, I'm never going to come to this business again. And, and, that, and that's very wrong. And that could be a potential problem. Yeah, uh, that would definitely. And, and, you know, let's let's say this as well. And this is said with no disrespect to anybody who's done what I haven't done, which is to wear the uniform. But for some, it's it's pure career. I, I can't I can't assume that every person who's put on the uniform when they first enlist is because they love their country. I mean, for some, it's 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 a gig. And thank God that they're willing to take it, because right now, each one of the branches is, is having a, a recruitment problem. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Listen to the Michael Smirconish program weekdays on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 and anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Spring? Is that you? 
Warmer temps mean new Allbird styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.